ಆರ್ ಲಿಸನಿಂಗ್ ಟು ದ ಅಗಸ್ತ್ಯ ಆರ್ ಭವಂತಃ ಅಗಸ್ತ್ಯ ಸತ್ರಂ ಶೃಣ್ವಂತಿ ಇನ್ ಟುಡೇಸ್ ಅಗಸ್ತ್ಯ ಆರ್ ವಿ ಬ್ರಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಯು ಅನ್ ಇಂಟರ್ವ್ಯೂ ವಿತ್ ಡಾಕ್ಟರ್ ಕೊನಾರ್ಟ್ ಅಲ್ಸ್ಟ್ ಆನ್ ಡಿಕಲೋನೈಸಿಂಗ್ ಎಜುಕೇಶನ್ ಐ ಡೋಂಟ್ ನೋ ಇಫ್ ಟು ಮೆನಿ ಇಂಡಿಯನ್ಸ್ ದಮ್ಸೆಲ್ಸ್ ನೋ ಅಬೌಟ್ ವಾಟ್ ಫ್ರೀ ಬ್ರಿಟಿಷ್ education system in india look like and your observation is that it was better than the british system at that time uh would you care to elaborate because i think this is a this is probably a revelation to a lot of indians yes that is for example uh, a case where indians show a high degree of colonization till today you see they have interiorized the erstwhile british view that indian culture was backward and that it needed to be uplifted now in this regard at any rate indian culture was about the best you could expect and so its education system was quite effective was quite democratic more democratic than education in britain at that point of time it was very effective in the sense that whatever science was needed in indian society at that time was available in plenty was taught in plenty so you could say yeah you know some modern sciences and so on were not yet there okay that's partly true those could of course perfectly have been introduced in japan for example you had a, a radical modernization without colonization so you, you don't need colonization for that but yeah i mean that is how it happened and so many indians believe have interiorized the belief that they owe the british something in terms of education uh the details about um this are found in books by dharampal uh the beautiful tree especially uh, the beautiful tree meant uh it's an expression used by mahatma gandhi um where he described the pre-british indian culture you know this the beautiful tree that the british destroyed and so dharampal goes back to how it was before and so he gives a very glowing report where you know of which much can still be seen through uh, british surveys you see before they installed british education they first wanted to see what was already available and so it is the british themselves you know from the horse's mouth so to speak uh who testified that this was in fact a very good system mm-hmm. but you see it didn't serve their purpose so they went ahead and impose british education anyway mm-hmm. uh, and on that note you mentioned japan so i'm going to read again from your book another fascinating insight uh, the rivaling education educationist party called the so called orientalists had proposed a sanskrit based system of education in which indian graduates would not have been as estranged from the mother civilization as they became through english education and in which they could have selectively adopted the useful elements of western modernity more or less the way japan modernized itself yes so it's quite fascinating that you know one of the pushbacks we get a lot of times from people is why is sanskrit or traditional indian mathematics or why is that education relevant at all if we had kept it we would still be backward whereas here you almost make mm-hmm. the opposite point uh, would you elaborate please right of course you would not have to be backward um uh, japan china and earlier also russia for example have modernized through their own language and so one effect of it is that 
all your own cultural references remain intact. If you study Sanskrit, almost automatically you're going to be exposed to Chanakya, to um, Kalidas, and so on. Those who go through English education are very much alienated from their native culture. They read Shakespeare, and there's nothing against Shakespeare, but that comes at the cost of reading Kalidas. And so that's a big difference. And so the Orientalizers, they thought, well, it is perfectly possible to transmit that which is valuable in English culture through the native languages. Mm -hmm. So uh, that could be done, and it has been done in other countries. Now, their, their ultimate goal was quite similar to Macaulay's, in the sense that they also believed you should civilize the savages, you should transmit to them modern British values. Nevertheless, their opinion of native culture was not as negative mm -hmm. as Macaulay's. Okay. Uh, and that's a great link, though. I mean, alienation from mother culture and as, as a part of the oral colonization idea and the alienation of one's culture. And again, I'm going to read from your book, Dr. Elst, uh, where you have an observation from Ashish Nandi. And I'm going to read verbatim. Schooling is the chosen instrument of alienation. The brightest children are snatched away from familiar surroundings to be introduced in schools based on the Western model. When they leave, they speak the language of the colonizer and can no longer communicate with their own people. Now, this is, this is an amazing insight. And living here in North America, we have seen that implemented through the native residential school system, which was uh, an incredible uh, story of, of, of you know, colonization through almost, some would argue, a cultural destruction of an entire population. Yes. Uh, and these issues are alive and with us today. Even today in Canada, for example, the government appointed a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to look into this, and especially the role of the church, the Christian church, as an instrument of the government to essentially, you know, remove an entire generation of natives from the culture through the residential school system where hundreds or thousands of them were abused, taken away from their family and done that. So, but even when that is not the case, you still see that education as a way of alienation from civilization yes. and therefore as a means of colonization. Yes, I was uh, in Phoenix, Arizona last week and um so I don't know much about America. I'm not very familiar with society here. But there I had the opportunity to go to the uh, Native American Museum, the Herd Museum, and where there was a big exhibition specifically about these residential schools. So I was rather appalled how bad it was. I mean, I know it existed, but I didn't know it was that bad. And um, so there they really wanted to take away Indians completely from their native culture, make them actually forget their language, uh, make them miss all the uh, the rituals pertaining to their, their worldview, puberty rituals and so on. And, and so cutting them off completely, making them Christians, making them American citizens. In a few cases, Indians witness that they, uh, they came through this system more or less unscathed, in fact, even more loyal to their native culture. But among many, it has worked to, to quite a degree. 
Now, the Macaulayan system is, of course, not as thorough. They didn't take people away entirely from their surroundings, and then a very large part of the surroundings remained untouched. India was just simply too large mm -hmm. to, to take on that way. But just essentially, it is, it is the same sort of project. Yeah, Dr. Elsa, I find it fascinating because even today when we were growing up, I know of people who went to convent schools. So, for example, English medium schools. I, I do know that there are schools in which the kids would be fine if they spoke yes. their local language, if they spoke in the mother tongue. In school, they're imposing speaking only in English. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean... It, it is quite fascinating. So that, that leads me to my next question, which is, do you consider the current Indo Indian education system to be colonized? And if so, how? Well, yes, I mean, <laughs> contents-wise, it is certainly very different from traditional India. And um, first of all, of course, the whole elite education in ever larger numbers is through English medium. And then contents-wise, it is also full of Western references, uh, anciently Christian, now perhaps less and less so, still to a large extent. But now you have this, uh, let's say, this social justice warrior element coming in, feminism, uh, those, those values are very much promoted through the education system. And so, uh, by contrast, pupils are taught uh, to look down on Hindu culture. Like Christian schools, for example, unlike here among the Native Americans, did not automatically impose Christianity. You see, that would have provoked too much resistance. But what they do instill in pupils is a certain alienation from and even contempt for Hindu civilization. And so that, I think, is a very much, that can be called colonization, even though there is no colonizer anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's simply fascinating. I mean, if you look at any country around the world, is there any example where an entire education system is still taught in the language of the colonizers? The elite class speaks the language of the colonizers, the former colonizers, and it's educated by institutions of a religion that are not their native religion institutions. Is there any example of this anywhere in the world? Well, in terms of language, of course, there certainly is. Uh, most of Africa mm -hmm. uh, uses either Arabic, even in countries where the people do not speak Arabic uh, amongst each other, uh, or in the colonial languages, uh, Portuguese, French, or English. Now, there you see that is a little bit more understandable. They have no literary tradition. Often the languages are very small, making it difficult to produce textbooks in their own language, to get them published uh, profitably, you know, thinking of the, the needs of the publishers. And so also there it is very difficult. Those countries traditionally are also quite poor and so on. So this takes a great effort, though I think they should also do the effort ultimately. But in the case of India, or let's also compare with Latin America, there, of course, the native languages are not dead. I mean, in the cities and so on, people speak Spanish, but you have still large areas where they speak uh, Guarani or Quechua or so. And so to an extent there, also you have the same situation. They go to school in Spanish. At home, they speak their mother tongue. 
there i must say in bolivia for example you have quite a revival of native culture so there you have you have a move to decolonize education mm-hmm. um, there's not in every country like that but it exists here and there now in the case of india there you do not have these practical problems that you have in africa you know you do have a literary tradition it is all right there these are very large uh language groups where you can profitably uh, publish you have many people capable of making translations and so on so in india it is only a matter of political will mm-hmm. you just have to take the decision we're going to do this in our own our own language yeah. and and it can be done enjoy listening to the agastya r is there something you really liked or would like to see in a future episode Agastya Gurukulam welcomes your feedback either by phone or text message at 919-294-4800 or by email at info at radionaira.com or by online chat messaging at radionaira.com.